I'm very excited today about uh, our podcast for Deep Spirituality because we're going to be uh, working on addressing and discussing a theme called Coming Home. And uh, I did a talk on that a couple of days ago, and I have some people who actually were at a portion of or all of the talk. Today I'm joined by Dave Traver, Parker Allen, and Cameron Straw, and I think they probably represent the millennial, and do you guys represent the Z generation too? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. we're Z technically, yeah. So we got millennial and we got Z generation sitting in here, and uh, we're going to talk about relationship with God. One of the reasons we're going to talk about relationship with God is because uh, I know for me, I started out in, in church, and that I, I was not a religious person, and so it, it took a lot for me to understand the system of religion, like going to church and reading the Bible, all the rules, uh, and so I, I, it, it was hard for me to capture the God part, and so we're going to work real hard on doing that, and hopefully we'll make it fun. But to start out, I'm going to ask the guys a question, and I'm going to have them answer it. And maybe when you answer the question, you can just mention, you know, I know, you know, we're your student, or, you know, I know that uh, Cameron's working on a project, doing good. He's been doing that. Maybe mention that's what you're doing, but uh, get right into it uh, and just answer this question. A lot of people get up in the morning uh, and have what's called a quiet time or a devotional. And I wanted to ask you guys the question, do you think there is a difference between a quiet time or devotional and having a relationship with God? So let's define a quiet time or devotional. You get up, you read the Bible. Some people read a spiritual book, say a prayer, various links. That's the quiet time or devotional. But then I'm wondering, do you think that's a relationship with God or not? And uh, one of you guys can jump on in and uh, tackle that one. I don't think they're similar at all, actually. I think. And who are uh, you? Who are you? Oh, so I'm David. Um, yeah, I'm a student at Santa Clara University. There you uh, go. I'm going to be a senior there. All go right. Broncos. And uh, no, you know, it's funny because when you go around campus early in the morning, you'll see people walking around. Um, you know, granted, not a lot. It's college, but you will see some people running in the morning. I mean, you know, it's pretty peaceful for them, and uh, it's a great. It's a beautiful campus. But, um, you know, some would argue they're having a quiet time. Like, it's quiet for them. It's peaceful. They're getting their day started. And you'll see them pretty routinely if you wake up at that time. Um, you know, and for me, a relationship with God, it's, it's really easy to turn that into a, into a to-do list, into a I-need-to-do-this type of thing. I'll wake up in the morning. I'm going to go crack open my Bible. Why is that easy? Why do you say that's easy to do? Because it's easy to get in this mindset of here's what I need to do every day. It's the same type Why of routine. Why would you need to do that? Well, you don't have to, but it's easier if I'm no, but going— I'm saying there's people out there who don't go to church Okay, that are listening to our podcast. Okay, They're yeah. trying to figure out, do I want to go to church? Do I want to read the Bible? Do I want to know God? And they probably need to understand something about your your context. Mm -hmm. uh, in academia, they call it your situatedness, Sure, meaning who are you? Where do you come from? What are your biases? Did you grow up in the church? Yes, I That's did. That's your context. Okay. So I didn't grow up in the church. I see. Okay. I grew up way, way, way not in the church, and it <laughs> took a lot to get me in. And that's a, we'll cover some of that one day. But so I think people want to understand because I think you have a lot of cool ideas and insights. But what they need to know is what is it like to grow up never knowing what it's like not being in church, and how does that affect your view of quiet time being a responsibility? Versus necessarily a relationship with God. Does that make sense? It makes – maybe when you guys can share, I'll think about that for a second. I think I grew up religious. I'm Cameron. Uh, I grew up religious. Um, to, I mean I think America – everyone has a religious experience. But I think I grew up going to church 
Catholic high school, private Lutheran school, All right. you know, the whole thing, memorize scripture for homework. Ooh. Yeah, that, that whole thing. And then I, never I, did and that. Then I, yeah, then I rebelled against it a little bit in my teen years, but uh, now I've been a Christian for about 10, 11 years going to church again and started out reading the Bible a lot. And that's what got me interested in God again. And then I think over the years, it, it, it has become more of something I just do. I just read, I wake up, read the Bible and I'll go and pray. And I think uh, for me, there's a, I'm, I'm starting to discover more of a disconnect uh, from me and, and God where I can just read and think I'm doing good spiritually or, or I, I'm, I guess I measure myself based on, you know, that sometimes how much I know in the Bible or how much I know about what the Bible says. And, and instead of, and using that uh, more as a, a gauge for myself spiritually instead of really thinking like, how close am I to God? And it's not really based on that. So I think for me, I think there is a difference between, I forget the exact question you asked, but I think a relationship with God or walking with God and reading your Bible or having a quiet time in the morning. And I think there is a big difference that I'm seeing because I think just being in church, I, I don't, I'm just, a, I can be very routine. And when I say routine, I mean kind of getting to religious traditions around like, oh, I read my Bible and I'm a good Christian, quote unquote, but it's not based on any reality in my life or actionable or like, uh, or like a heart, uh, that's, that's trying to do something different. Like maybe I could stay the same for a long time. And I think I have in different ways, um, and maybe deceive myself based on, oh, well, I'm reading my Bible or I know these scriptures. It's like taking it back to seventh grade, right? right. I, mem- oh, I know these scriptures, <laughs> memorize these scriptures. And yeah, it's pass like, that test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pass the test. And so I think it can become a performance thing. And I think it is for me in a lot now, of I know ways. You're somebody who, you know, my experience working with you on Project yeah. Doing Good, which is a, a right. great site. Is that www.projectdoinggood.org? Yes, dot .com. Dot .com. www.projectdoinggood.com if yeah. you want to take a look at that, where Cameron's been done some really great work with some organizations on on launching Doing Good. But Right. It seems to me that you're a person who wants dynamism, movement, and inspiration. Yeah. And so if I listen to what you're saying, you're, you're basic. And this is just an, an introduction to coming home. I'm going to explain right. more about what coming home is. It's really about coming home to God. And it sounds a little bit like that's what you did as you were going to church before. And that was great in a sense that you right. were around religion and around Christianity, around faith. But the dynamism wasn't there and the, the sort of that explosive experience right. of, of intimacy and, and, and even power with God to change and to grow wasn't there. Right. Yeah. No one. I, I, people taught me stories and that's what I thought they were like good stories. And I'll learn that and teach that to my kids one day, too, because, <laughs> you know, but I didn't see it as something that I could apply to my life and something that really could change me because um, it didn't. And I didn't see people around me changing either. So it was like, oh, OK, well. So and, and it seems like, you know, and, 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 and I don't think any of us feel like, or I certainly don't feel like we want to put down any form of Christianity or if you, I think yeah. it's good to go to church. It's good right. to read the Bible. It's good to pray. But what we're trying to do is say, we know, or at least I know I wouldn't have continued to go or, or be a part of right. church if my relationship with God had not kicked in. And right. so what you and I, Cameron, are talking about is if, if you get the rules down, those rules were hard for me to get down. Boy, yeah. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it more at some point. Uh, it, it, that's why I'm really curious um, to hear from Parker and David because they've actually had the experience of, of of being sort of born and then that's where they've been on Sunday morning since the beginning. And I, I wonder, I guess what I'm asking both of you guys is, I wonder if sometimes for you it's hard to see the difference between 
the routines that Cameron described and the experience with God. It, you know, it's kind of like it's a difference between, you know, assigned marriage or dating, <laughs> right? You know, okay, yeah. when you're born, we're going to pick somebody out for you and that's who you're going to marry. Or I get to grow up and date who I want. And so one of the, I'm not now technically, statistically, assigned marriages have done better in staying together <laughs> than dating. So I won't, I'm, oh not, I'm not making an argument either way. I'm not putting anybody down in another, in another culture. But what I'm saying is for us, as most of us are just generally Americans, we look at dating as exciting. And we look at assigned as not. Assigned as a rule. And dating is an adventure to know someone from our point of view, uh, culturally. So I'm wondering, can you guys give some insight to people? Maybe there's a, a, a parent of a teen out there. Maybe there's a, a 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old who feels frustrated with church because they feel like there's a bunch of rules. I'm supposed to read my Bible. I'm supposed to pray. And they can't see the difference between that. Because I really do think there is a difference. My bias is showing between having a quiet time and actually building a relationship with God. Either one of you guys jump in on that? Um, Why, well, like Cameron, grew up going to church and— um, yeah, I grew up, my parents would tell me to read a chapter of Psalms or have a quiet time. And, um, in the morning, and it was always kind of just something I did, not really, um, something I cared about, but just something to do. And, um, and then I spent, uh, a while in high school kind of rebelling against that and not really doing any of that. What's a while? Ten minutes, um, no, like, ten minutes, like three, or two three, years, three years, oh, three and a half years. Yeah, so that's a while. See, now you're in my. That's that's more my my wavelength. <laughs> a while. I spent nineteen years in the wild. Yeah, um, <laughs> but wild. I thought I think something I saw was I saw a lot of people, um, kind of what you were saying, like the loss of dynamism, and um, yeah, I saw people have quiet times and have this supposed relationship with God, but no real change. And I was like, that's not. I don't, I don't want that. Like, I don't want, um, yeah, to just have to follow these rules with no outcome, like nothing good coming from it. Sure. So I, uh, was, that was very unattractive to me. So I stopped doing that. Um, I would still go to services and do stuff cause I like the people, some of the people there, but, um, yeah, kind of the quiet time is going back to the original question. The difference between a relationship with God and a quiet time is I think, um, it's definitely important in a relationship with God to have a quiet time, but uh, and I've seen myself now as I've tried to um, work on my relationship with God for the last, like seriously, for the last like year, year and a half or so, um, that I'm starting to get into this zone where I can have those quiet times where I like quiet times without a relationship with God, which is something I was very critical of, which I started to see myself. I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Right. Um, but how old are you? I am. I just turned 20 years All old. Right. So. And you said um, the last year and a half you've really been working on it. Yeah, I think last year. That's I say last year. So I think that's a really great thing. And, and, and let me just say this. Coming home really comes from John 15. And we won't go over that scripture probably today because we have a lot we want to go over. If, if I get a chance, we'll, we'll go to it. But um, what you're describing, uh, Parker, is what coming home is all about, that just, I, I think we got to be committed to all the things the Bible teaches with regard to, um, you know, reading our Bible, praying every day, being in fellowship with people, yeah. um, uh, trying to help people do good, uh, mm-hmm. reach out to people who are searching for God. I certainly am glad someone reached out to me. Yeah, but we can we can oftentimes think that the reason churches and and communities of faith are not attractive is because of 
uh, people not wanting to get up on a Sunday morning or the moral expectation. But I think you just described what, in my view, really does it. People don't see the dynamism. Yeah. You go to a Golden State Warriors basketball game, and I mean, you're 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 positively transported, yeah. man. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here. You go to a concert, uh, and you watch uh, any of the great uh, uh, performances. My favorite would probably be uh, Bruce Springsteen today. And you know, you I, I'm sure Parker and David, you love Justin Bieber. I, you guys, you guys look like Bieber. Huge Justin Bieber fan. Yeah, I knew I knew that. And, okay. and Cameron probably likes you know some some country guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, was God. it Blake Shelton? You know, probably Blake, oh, Blake Shelton, Shelton guy. I don't know. That's but but when you go to these concerts, they're just positively incredible. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. what an experience! And you and you know what I think is amazing is you can get a hundred thousand people in the stadium in in Barcelona for Bruce Springsteen, and he'll sing "Hungry Heart," and every single person in English right. will be singing "Hungry Heart" with him. And I know some people will be critical of that and say, "Well, you're comparing you know apples to oranges. Church isn't like that." No, I, I don't think it's about his church like a concert. It's the dynamism. It's the movement. It's yeah. the inspiration. It's the emotion. And that, in my mind, comes from a personal relationship with God where you really get intimately connected to him. And I want to encourage people with what Parker just talked about. He's, you said 20, right? 20, yeah. He's 20 years old, but only in the last year, he's been been around church for 20 years, and only in the last year has he really been able to dive in on his relationship with God and, and start to really see the difference that it can make when you have a personal relationship with God. So you're having a quiet time not to read your Bible and pray, but to get an intimate relationship with God. Think of reading your Bible as listening to God and praying as talking. In other words, it's a conversation. And one of the reasons I picked these three guys to be part of the podcast is each one of them has spent time uh, with me, with my sons, walking. And we take these walks at least once or twice a week during vacations every day, twice a day. And when we walk, we talk about our lives. I'm significantly older. We talk about our lives, our struggles, our pains, our problems, our hopes, our dreams, and all of it is surrounding God. And I I hope through the podcast we're beginning today, this series about coming home, that we can get everybody to come home like Parker just described, because that's what he described. It wasn't a matter of was Parker going to church. It was a matter of would Parker come home? Not to you, to me, to the church, to the membership, to the rules, but would he come home to God? And in John 15, I grew up uh, really falling in love with the RSV, uh, which uh, uses the word abide. The voice translation uses the word abide. There's some people out there who don't like the voice translation, have some prejudice against it. Uh, you know, that that's their deal. But I think that the voice translation does a tremendous job of giving you the emotion of abide. Abide is a word that means dwell or to make your home there. And that's where the theme of this comes from, John 15, that many people say remain, and I get that. But what, what I think Jesus is saying is, I want you to make your home in me. Hmm. This is your home. This is, what is home? What does home mean to you, David? When you think of home, what does home mean to you? Just say what you think. This is yeah. Very, I mean, guys very are, first a couple thing, of these yeah. guys are learning about podcasts, so, <laughs> so they're they're, they're I'm, I'm surprising them. They don't see it coming for those out there. But that's the fun part. We're not experts yet. We're working on it. But just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. When you think of home. I mean, home cooked meals. Home I mean, cooked meals. All right, Parker. What's the first thing that comes to mind? When you think of home. Warm. Warm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Relaxing. Relaxing. Yeah. All right. How about safe? Down. Right. Yeah. yeah. Safe. All right. How about uh, when your parents are saying no or yes? It's a little discipline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think of that as home? Right. You know, you you want to do something, you don't get to do it. Right. How about identity? Did any of you think of home as identity? 
That's good. Yeah. All right. No, so, yeah. so when when I was in school growing up, I, you know, I went I went to high school in the seventies, late seventies. Um, we we used to call each other by our last name a lot. So you didn't call the person by their first name; you called them by their last name. Yeah, I see. You know, and your surname, as the Europeans would say. All right, you call by last name. What is that doing? That's saying that's your identity. So I was known as Yule. I had older sisters, and so that was part of my identity, right? My home, I lived on a street in Kentwood, Michigan, and the neighborhood I lived in in Kentwood was part of my identity. I hung out with Dirk and Scott right. and these guys, and I was, with a, I was primarily around athletes and in, in the latter part of my years in high school, and or in all of high school, and around, I was a little nerdier in my middle school years, and I had an identity, right? And so- I think home is about your identity. It's how you feel secure in life. You know where you go. I told a story in my talk uh, the other night about a, a little boy. It's one of my favorite stories. I read it in a book years and years ago. And this little boy moved to a neighborhood. His family moved to a new neighborhood. And they were in this new neighborhood, got in a new house, and he had a bike, jumped on his bike, and he wanted to go look around the neighborhood. So he went for a ride around the neighborhood. And I remember doing this in Kansas when I was growing up. We moved to a new neighborhood on Gentry Street. And uh, I went for a ride with my bike, and I really used to enjoy riding my bike. I had a little Mattel bike. It was a motorbike. <laughs> they had an advertisement for a bike that was like a motorcycle, but it didn't have an engine. But it had pipes and all that. And you yeah. rode the bike, and it was a Mattel bike. And, and they had it on the beach riding the sand. I really wanted that bike for Christmas, and my parents ended up getting it from me, but they didn't show me to the very end, right? And so I was there for Christmas. We opened up our gifts, and my parents were like, everybody happy? And I, and I had this sad look on my face. And they said, oh, wait a minute, we forgot one. And my dad goes in their bedroom and pulls and, and rolls out oh, the bike, man. but it's wrapped up top. And I open it up, and it's my Mattel bike. And that's the bike I learned to ride a bike on. So anyway, I'm riding that bike around the neighborhood, just like this kid. This kid's riding around the neighborhood, right? And so he's, he's really excited. He's enjoying himself. He's having a really great time. Uh, and then all of a sudden he realizes, I don't know where I'm at. Kid's about eight, nine years old. Um, and that's exactly the age I was in Kansas when I was riding my Mattel bike, eight, nine years old or seven years old. And, uh, so he, he gets lost and he's on our mat. So he walks up to a house and this is, you know, in the years where you, you, not every kid was getting kidnapped or threatened on the street. So yeah. it's a, a different time, different age. He knocks on the door of the house and he says to the person who answers the door, he says, Hey, I'm lost. Can you help me? I'm lost. And they say, well, do you, do you have anything? Do you know your address? No. Do you know a phone number? No. Uh, what's your, what's your, what's your parents name? He said, grandma. And I remember when I heard that for the first time, I was like, I was a little emotionally moved when I heard that grandma. Because you think of single parent kids whose parents are are either gone, died, or 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 something imprisoned or something like that. And you think a little bit of urban life and and how great grandmas can be. And then the 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 person talking to him says, "Well, I don't know what to do." So they went and called the police. The police come up, and the police are quizzing him. Okay, which direction did you come from? You know, uh, uh, you know, what do you remember? Do you remember any landmarks? And he goes, "Oh, I remember a landmark. I remember something." And they said, what is it? He goes, near my house, there's this church building with this really, really huge cross. And if I can find my way back to that cross, I can find my way home. And to me, that's what coming home is. I think just following the rules isn't coming home. Coming home is being moved emotionally by God and saying, I want that relationship. And so if there's one word that probably describes home, I think we all would agree, it's relationship. Right. Yeah. Even if you're in some people say my home was terrible. Yeah, but I'll bet you when you watch a great television or movie series on family, you really want that. Everybody wants home. And that's why we're going to talk about coming home. And so in this first part of this series, what we're trying to do, uh, and we're just going to do a, a, a section. This is sort of section one, like an introduction uh, to it. 
we're trying to get everybody in the mindset that to have a true relationship with God is to come home. It's to find that cross. It's to find that connection to God, to find that gratitude and that emotion. And um, I would, I would, I would say that a great way to look at it is uh, in Luke ten thirty eight to forty two. And I want to read you a passage in Luke ten uh, thirty eight to forty two. And I want you to uh, just listen for a minute, and then I'm going to get you guys' thoughts on this because I was going over this, and I thought it was a perfect way to describe coming home. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. And the funny thing about translations, a lot of people pick their translation. When I was uh, first a Christian, uh, I'd go into a Christian bookstore, and they would be like, okay, the only Bible you read is the King James Version. Now some people are that way about the NIV or the New King James Version. I read them all. And so I believe that we can sometimes get insight from translations that maybe aren't word for word, etc., it's when we combine all the translations that we really gain something. I'll say another thing about translations, because I think that could be an issue as we use different translations. Uh, I used to like, re- like reading Dostoyevsky and Tolstoy, all the Russian literature. And what's funny is you would have people say, well, I prefer this translation of the Brothers Karamazov uh, uh, as opposed to that translation. But you never heard anybody say this translation over here is invalid. Translation of languages is translation of languages. And I fully believe that an academic down at Stanford who doesn't even believe in God, who knows Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, can translate the Bible accurately. I do. And people say, well, he might not. He might. I mean, not, but more than likely he would because he doesn't even care. He'll just go, yeah, that's what it says. And so I think we got to be a little, little careful about condemning or exalting any particular translation and think of them all as just like great literature. Read a lot of people's translations and you'll probably get a lot closer to both the accuracy, but also you don't just want to be accurate intellectually. You want to be accurate emotionally. And I think the Passion Translation, I think, does a good job of trying to be accurate emotionally. So Luke ten thirty eight talking about coming home. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home, her home. Now, when you think about your own home or your apartment, you know what you think about, I think, is control. This is my home. I decide who comes <laughs> in and goes. Mm-hmm. I decide what's cooked and when. I, it's, it's my, that's my control spot. I think Martha, that was her control spot. Bring Jesus to her home. I got this. And a lot of times when we're seeking control, we that's home. Home isn't a house. It's, a, it's control. Home, home isn't a house. It's my career. It's my major. It's the grade. I've got to have this level greater. I'm not going to be secure and content. And I think Martha was in her home. And so I think she's in her home. Jesus wants to get her into his home. He wants to bring her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Listen to this. This is great in the past translation. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing absorbing every revelation he shared. I'm going to read that again. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared absorbing an attention. I think a lot of great relationship with God is not just reading the Bible, but it's giving God your attention. It's not hearing anything else that's going on. It's not looking up and watching a TV. It's not longing for a second bagel. You're so wrapped up and you're so absorbed and your attention's 100% focused on him. And Mary was 100% focused. She immediately made her home Jesus. Now, of course, Martha's the one who owned the home. So it was a little easier for Mary. But Mary was like, I don't care what else is going on. I'm into this dude. This dude is bringing it. Verse 40. 
But Martha became exasperated. By finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for a guest. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. You know what's interesting here? I think is that she immediately thinks life is unfair because Mary's 100% focused on Jesus and she isn't. I think a lot of times when you don't come home to God, you end up bitter at the people who do. You end up mad that this guy's getting all the attention. Verse 41, the Lord answered to Martha, my beloved Martha, and I love this. Why? That's a big time question. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important. By choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. You know, I think a lot of the time we allow achievement, significant status, respect, feeling valued, getting attention to replace home, which is with God. And so a lot of what we want to do in this podcast is work ourselves to get there and encourage all of you to get there to come home. What do you think about Martha and Mary, guys? I mean, that's a great scripture and a great translation. I think I can definitely be a Martha. Um, it just made me think about how I have expectations and for things to be a certain way or even becoming a Christian. Like, oh, now my life's going to be great in all these ways. I'm going to have, you know, this work out for me. I'm going to accomplish these dreams. Right, and, right. You know, and I get distracted. I think even you were mentioning Project Doing Good, um, you know, it's this great uh, organization and we help people do good and we highlight doing good stories. Right. That's all good. But without like, I think I got, and I, I still can get caught up in, uh, doing something and miss that. It's really, a, a, what I really need is a relationship with God. What I, everything that I need, but like he said, like I think in the other translations is one thing is needed or the most important thing yeah. is, you know, choosing to have that relationship with God and believing that that's enough. And I'm an anxious person that can run around and, feel like these things need to be this certain way. And I think I'm a, it's funny cause I'm a blamer too, where I'll, I'll blame people, but I haven't really made a connection until right now, maybe with just seeing that when I'm, <laughs> when I'm not walking with God in that way or not understanding the most important thing, I'm, I'm, I'm like mad at all these other people isn't or, cool? or circumstances. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it isn't it yeah. cool how it says in the scripture that Mary interrupted Jesus and she goes, isn't this unfair? I've yeah, been there yeah. too. I've been there too where oh, yeah. I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. And you know what I think when she says I'm, it, it, life right. is unfair at that moment, she's, she's, she's reflecting for all of us. We get bitter right. when we don't focus on God and we focus on people. She was focused on Mary. Right. She wasn't focused on God. So she gets, you get bitter, you get hateful, you get envious, you get jealous. And you get into that's all right. kinds of relationship sin when your focus is on the individual. And right. I think that's what and, you're saying. No, completely. Because I think, I guess, I'm hearing you, like, if I'm not focused on God, I am just automatically focused on people. And that's just how it's going to be, I think. Because Sweet insight. I think I, I know for me, that's, I make people that God, for instance, or that's, I'm expecting, or even expecting things of God. Because it's interesting to, when you look at a story like this and you see Martha telling Jesus, it's unfair. And, and you can like almost like look down and are like, how could she say that to Jesus? But we do that to God all the time. I yeah. know I do. I, I just think my life's unfair. Like, why aren't things working out 
like I said, the way I wanted to, like, yeah. why are my dreams coming true by 30 the way that yes. I had planned? Or, yes. or, you know, that you promise yes. or something. <laughs> and it's really yeah, like... I, they can't see you do the quotes yeah, in the, the quotes, air. Yeah, that like, was good. That was yeah, good. Like, the quotes in the air were good. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> and the timing was, was impeccable yeah, when you did it. His promise was not for me to, you know, have the picket fence by 30. That was yeah. never... I didn't read that in scripture, but I think I can... <laughs> I can put that kind of stuff on God when I, my focus is really on myself or on other people or my expectations for the way things should go. I love I think, what you're talking about yeah. because I think that, you know, there are, there are, there are going to be some people who are going to be like, no, that's not my problem. I don't focus on people. No, no, no. You know what? Okay. I, fine. <laughs> fine. I know I do. Right. That's all I can speak for. I do and I did. And I'll tell my right. But what I love about what you're talking about is you're really elevating the conversation to say, you know, when you're feeling, when you're feeling life is unfair – sometimes part of that is you're comparing yourself to someone else or you're comparing it to the timing of when you want certain things to happen. I want to be, you know, this much money by 25, this much money by 28, this many kids by 32. And we have this, this whole structure laid out. And I think Martha walked into that house and she's like, I think, I think Martha was to own a house as a woman in that time was a big deal. right? Right. And so I think she was in there going, I'm going to showcase my skills, man. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to put and, and Jesus was like, hey, thanks for inviting me over, but I got <laughs> yeah. some stuff to teach. And so part of it is she's not getting the attention that she expected to get. And sometimes I think we think it's unfair that that we don't get the attention that we're not. in. I know I, I speak for myself. Right. I always thought, hey, I should be the center of attention. And if I'm not, then I've got to work to get it or something's wrong with this organization. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't see how bitter we can become. I know I've become, especially when I was younger, bitter that I'm not first, bitter that I don't get the attention. I think we can get hateful of other people because we put all of our trust in that person and then maybe they don't give us the attention we want and we get really hateful and bitter toward them. I even think a lot of what's going on in the world, people go, how are we going to get less chaotic and people not hating people? Well, they're going to have to love something more than they love to hate. Right. And I think when you love God more than you love to hate, you do a lot better. Parker, you look like you're meditating over there on some <laughs> deep, deep uh, Tolstoyan thought about faith. <laughs> I was just thinking for myself, like with, uh, I don't know, the second that first, the first part about like Mary decided to sit down and Martha decided to, to uh, just go do the chores and stuff with my roommates. Uh, I live with David at Santa Clara and there's been a couple times when like we have school stuff come up or, or different stuff we have to study for. And there's obviously this like um, there's a stress to want to do that. But then this other thing comes up with like uh, one of our like relationships with God or relationship with, with someone else that we need like needs addressing. Mm-hmm. And there's this like thing you have to decide, hey, do we work on this? Or, oh, I'll just do that next week after my final or project is done or whatever. Right. And I think it's so easy. I was thinking for me with other people, like, there was one time when this happened with David, and I was like, no, we got to go out and like, oh, go out and pray. And, like, oh, my gosh. And we no. went out, and oh, no. he had some stuff to do. But we went oh, out for, yeah. like, I don't even remember, a couple hours or something and doing that. And, and that was really good. But then when I think for me, when I'm going through this, I'm like, I'm, there's no way I'm doing anything but school right now. Um, and just that, like. Do you think a lot of yeah. kids can sometimes get into a, I, I shouldn't say a lot of kids. Do you think that students can get into the mode where when they're trying to avoid um, the emotions uh, of life, which God is trying to lead. Cause I think God tries to lead us into things. So I think when he allows some, I don't know what you're talking about exactly, but when he allows some conflict to occur with you and David, 
I don't think he is like always angry at us that we've done something wrong. I think he takes situations and tries to bring people together. Mm-hmm. I think he looks and says, I want Parker and David to be best friends and, and I'm going to create something or I shouldn't say create, I'm going to allow something to happen that forces them to decide. Cause that's what happened with Samson and, and uh, in, in war, he was, he was brought to a point, he was brought into conflict mm-hmm. to achieve God's purposes. So sometimes conflicts are normal. I don't think God's up there going, I'm going to make a conflict. Yeah. But I think they're normal, but he can use those. Do you think a lot of students miss out on relationship with God and people because they hide behind homework and busyness and activity? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is David again. And I mean, there were so many thoughts from this passage. I, I was trying to figure out what exactly to say, but I think what you're saying right now is really good. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm someone who's super task-oriented. I'll always have a checklist going. I'm always buying these, paying money for these productivity apps on, like, the App Store. Cause I'm pre-med, bad. pre-med, by <laughs> the way, people. This is a pre-med. I'm always trying to figure out how to get more done in the same amount of time, right? I think all A's last semester. No, 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 no that's <laughs> definitely not true. <laughs> um, well, the semester but, before that, it was. Uh, not really. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> I, well, that's a different time. Anyways, but uh, Close, believe but, me. <laughs> it was funny because when I remember um, when Parker moved in and when we started living together, together i really wanted to you know be really good friends with him but i wasn't really sure how to do it yeah i thought we're gonna go to like the theme park near our place we're gonna do some like crazy like hike and that's gonna bring us together i didn't suspect in the world that it would be in the middle of finals week we're gonna get in this argument or there's gonna be this thing that comes up yeah and i'm gonna need to have to slow down and either choose to like parker said take on the spiritual endeavor or focus on the book work right in the library with school yeah yeah so I think for me, what you said earlier that really stuck out was um, – well, to answer your question first, yes, I do think um, in general students at least at our school, at our university, it's really easy to get swept up in the speed of things. And even people who come up from out of state, I have friends from you know the Midwest or the, even the East Coast, yeah. and they say the speed of life here is one of the first things they notice that's just really different from where they're from. Right. And they say, yeah, it's a stereotype and it's true of Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. You guys yeah. are really fast. Um, and I guess I definitely support that, <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, I guess we'll say stereotype, but, um, I, something you said earlier that was really good was that home war that people associate with home, we can all agree with is safe. Right. And I think everyone wants that feeling of being safe, of being secure. Yeah. And I think you said like Martha wanted it and she did it by, by having control. Right. I think I do it a lot of times by trying to get control of my schedule by doing more. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I I think I'm trying to figure out where to go with this, but I think the th- I think the simple idea I have was that I can for myself, right? Growing up in the church, it can become about rules a lot, about yeah. tradition, yeah. about you asked earlier, what's the difference between a quiet time if there is one between yeah. a quiet time and a relationship with God? Yeah. I can get into all the behavior, right? Yeah. And that's why even why answering the question earlier, it was really hard for me to not think about the behavior because I've grown up thinking about behavior. But really what everyone wants, including me, is that feeling of being safe. And people go to different things for that. And that's why the Barcelona concert, people will, will learn something in English if they don't speak it because they want to feel safe. And that's an environment people will pay a lot of money to wow. feel safe, right? And I think that's what makes – that's what – when I have a friend who doesn't even believe in God and you know, or a, a neighbor who doesn't believe in God, at least I can talk about that feeling of wanting to be safe or relationships. And that's commonly how I think a lot of us see safety is relationships, whether it's family or – other other peer relationships but i think that's what that's what's made god real for me even though it wasn't always that way right was 
realizing I really want to feel safe. I really want that security. And um, even though it's easy for me to be like Martha, where I want to speed up and I want to take control, um, and <laughs> even go to school or other other you know distractions, um, I think the one of the the hugest things for me to just admit is just to stop and say I really want to feel safe, and I'm I'm going to all these different things to try and get it, but it's not really fulfilling that. Profound, seriously, that was awesome. You get in your groove on podcast. <laughs> Good job, David. It's hard, to get, it's hard to relax. <laughs> hard to relax in front of the mic. It is. Let me tell you what I think it was profound. You said something. I think I said it, but it doesn't mean anything when I say it. it means more when you say it. It's easy to get caught up in all the rules, and um, and and you emphasize safe more than even I did. And I think the safest place in life is not in a physical home, but it's in a relationship home. And what you talked about really is how do we get past the rules to get the relationship and what does God want from us? Does God want performance or does God want a relationship? And so I think this hopefully will serve as sort of a part one introduction to what we're trying to do. We want, I wanted to make it a conversation because I think just listening to someone talk for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 50 minutes and I talked for a while, but it's not going to help. It, it, what helps is when you can hear a lot of different views and we got a lot of different views near all four of us are different type of people. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to say on our next uh, section, we'll come back in a minute. We don't have any advertisers right now, but if we did have an advertiser, it would probably be that bulletproof bar that I'm about to eat <laughs> for my lunch. Uh, bulletproof, uh, the bar buy. that I'm about to eat for my lunch. Um, and so if bulletproof ever discovers us, they can go give us more bars, but, uh, we're going to take a break for a minute and we're going to come back. And based on what David said, who just dropped his phone, uh, it, we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to segue into coming home and I'm going to talk a little bit if Cameron and Parker and Dave will remind me about a term my wife gave me to describe the early part of my Christian life extreme behavior modification we'll be back in a moment 